Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman, joined as usual by Darren Burns. Darren, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Recovering? Yes, you could say that. It's been uh, it's been quite a what is it? Forty five days of cricket. It's been it's been something else. And Toby Derman is also here. Toby, how are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thanks. I've just just sobered up this afternoon after a week of uh, binge drinking. So yeah, been a, been a good week. With with uh, were, were you with Ben Stokes? <laughs> there were no fisticuffs, but it was a very very fun week. Yes, uh, it was a Ben Stokes redemption narrative. I mean, every every PR person loves that one. Oh, and now he's going to be. He's been um, nominated for New Zealander of the Year, I see. <laughs> All right, so let's start with the World Cup final, shall we? It was, uh, it was quite a match to remember. I can't remember watching a cricket match like that. Um, the last 30 minutes, I don't, know, I don't even know how long it went on for. It just seemed to, seemed to go on forever. Twists and turns. I was convinced at one point New Zealand had it in the bag uh, before the, the Ben Stokes overthrows before Trent Bolt steps on the boundaries and then of course the super over uh, in which we find out that uh, England are going to win because of the boundary rule which was a new one and not one that I think many of us were familiar with. Toby, take us through the emotions of an England fan. <laughs> well you're, you're right there were twists and turns and I think one of the, the key uh, emotions for any British and maybe even more specifically English sports fan is that glorious defeat is only one step away. Um, and we're quite good at glorious defeats and wallowing in, uh, in getting battered in finals or semi-finals or never quite making it. So I think a lot of people de- didn't dare to believe. And I think uh, for me, um, I think when Johnny Bairstow chopped on, I think of Bolt. Um, I can't remember, maybe Matt Henry. Um, to me, that started to feel like, oh, oh, we've got problems here because... The the pitch was a tricky one. It kind of I wouldn't say it's too paced, but it was a bit sticky, a bit stodgy. New Zealand uh, hadn't looked fluent, and you thought, all right, England's big big guns can come out and, and knock these relatively modest runs off about what two four two was the total. But that it, it just to me signalled this is really game on, and it's going to be very tight. And so from that point, I was very nervous. I've got no fingernails left. There, there's sort of bloody stumps where my fingers were. Um, and I think just the super over again. I was just saying to you before the start of the podcast that Michael Atherton on comms was just joking that his producer, this was around the thirty-second over mark during the New Zealand innings, was joking we may need a super over if it's a draw. Ha ha ha! And lo and, beho- lo and behold, uh, they had to dust off the super super over. I mean, a lot of people in that ground probably didn't realise the super over is how you end a World Cup uh, final. But there you go. But yeah, amazing, amazing experience. And 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 New Zealand were class personified in their, in their sort of um, post-match comments and how it was dealt with. So it was all played in a tremendous spirit as well. Yeah, Darren, your thoughts on, um, on what must be the most dramatic end to a, to a sporting tournament? Well, well, quite stupidly, I went to bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like, I think in England were about two down. And I just thought to myself, you know, do I turn it off now? Because I just, I just worry when they lost a second wicket, there's going to be panic, you know, sort of flooding through the England dressing room, as Toby sort of said. And, you know, can they do it? And I thought, no, they're going to do it. I mean, they're batting so well. They did it. And, of course, I wake up in the morning to this cacophony of noise everywhere. Um, you know, some amazing things there, right? It's the first ever Super Rover in an international, one-day cricket international, in an ODI. It happens in the World Cup final. Then it's decided on boundaries. Um, quite incredible. And just 
that last over, I watched it, you know, as soon as I got up in the morning and just, you know, Trent Bolt, such a great fielder, right? Just stepping back on that boundary rope and that ricochet off the bat. It just like, look, the gods were against them, really. I mean, and any other day, you, you would have won that, won that game. And just, it just seemed to be that it was destined almost. You got that feeling that, you know, New Zealand was sort of ahead going into the end. And they just, somehow England just managed to get over the line. The gods intervening. Um, incredible match. Absolutely incredible for the game. Yes, it was. I mean, it was it was great because it was on free-to-air TV in England as well, which I think that's the best thing about this match, honestly, because I have to confess I was quite unsatisfied by the, by the, uh, the way it was all decided in the end. I didn't think it was the best way for the ICC to determine a match of this magnitude. It just seemed a little bit arbitrary um, in, the, in the final reckoning. And, you know, I think there's been some people who have said maybe they should have shared the trophy. I think New Zealand were really restrained in their comments immediately after the match, but they seem to have become progressively more outspoken. So I think the next day, Kane Williamson was, was, was sort of like, well, maybe we should have shared it. And Craig McMillan, I think, said similar things. And I, that doesn't surprise me. They, they, they were kind of in shock, I think, at the end of the match. I mean, so many things went against them. The, you know, the Ben Stokes thing, which possibly should have been five runs and ended up being six runs. And that whole thing is, I mean, that's the worst. Can you imagine that? If it just Because until that point, it would have been so hard for England to win. And then to get that, that six runs, is, it's, uh, it's such a, it left us such a strange taste in the and mouth. The, the Ross Taylor non-dismissal too. I mean, the whole bad luck started early on for them and it just felt like this is not our day, but it's, it, it big time wasn't their day, unfortunately. Yeah, but a lot, a lot of those things you can say, okay, that's bad luck, you know, bad LBW, fine, Trent Bolt stepping on the boundary rope, you know, that's poor execution of skills, honestly, on, on, in the biggest moment. Even the bat, even the ball hitting the bat, I mean, okay, you can say, yes, that, that should be dead ball, but everyone knows the rules on that one. I think the big thing was the boundary rule, because that, I'm not sure anyone was that, you know, was that well acquainted with the rule, and it just seems so arbitrary. Yeah, in all fairness, I mean, that's probably not a good way to decide it. But, you know, if you think about how to decide it, it's probably they did finish higher than New Zealand in, in the um, in the final rankings, right? So that's how you might separate it. Or it's often by wickets. It used to be in the back in the day by wickets, right? Least number of wickets lost, right? It was kind of accepted. But the boundary thing was just weird. Yeah, no, I have no issue with England winning the World Cup at all. In fact, I think they, you know, they probably deserve to win it. I think, you know, they, they produced some amazing performances at the business end of the tournament, beating India, beating New Zealand, beating Australia. Three matches in a row. They turned up when they needed to. They did everything that was asked of them. This isn't really about whether England deserved to win the World Cup. It's just more about the way it was decided. It just seemed really bizarre, actually. And I'm not sure the ICC got it right. Good thing is, lots of people watching it on free-to-air TV. Hopefully it will help cricket in England because one of the things I did think about this World Cup was... If you were in England, you, you could be forgiven for not even knowing it was taking place. Yeah. The highest ever viewed story on BBC too um, was the World Cup Finals. I mean, that's, that's really brought cricket back into public awareness and leading into the ashes now. Um, you think it's given it a bit of a stoke up, don't you? Pardon the pun. Uh, one of the things we've got to be careful with though, is the, you know, obviously the ECB, they're rubbing their hands. This has been, you know, this has been their plan for four years for this to happen. Um, the problem is we've got to be quite honest with maybe new entrant uh, cricket fans that not every match is like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, yeah. 
I know. I, I, I feel a little bit annoyed that you have all these fans that turned up and got this match. I mean, where were they you know, <laughs> on, a wet, on a wet Wednesday at Headingley, you know, watching, watching Martin Moxon ground out five <laughs> off 72 balls? I mean, that's, that's cricket, really. You know, this kind of thing doesn't happen that often. Joe Root did that, didn't he? He ground out, like, not many off about 30 or 40 balls. Oh, my gosh. Poor old Joe. Yeah. There was a lot of that in this World Cup. There, there was, was a lot of grinding out. I mean, if, I watched several MS Stoney innings, so I did feel like <laughs> we'd, we'd, yeah, we'd kind of gone through the looking glass. Darren, what was your take on the semi-final? I mean, that must have been a tough one for Australian fans. Yeah. I, I did stay up for most of that, I must admit. Um, hoping against hope that there was some sort of Mitchell Stark miracle that he'd come in and get seven wickets and you know in two overs or something and and skittle skittle him. But I think I think what fell off towards the end, you know, Australia. I went to the live game with South Africa in Manchester. They they seemed to fall away towards the back end of Australia a bit, and particularly Mitchell Stark and I think Pat Cummins also came off the boil a little bit. Um, they weren't as penetrative in those last few games, which really let them down. I think, and obviously when the you know the top the, the openers failed and then Smithy was sort of nutmegged, you know, run out through his legs, which was just incredible. I think Steve Smith had a lot of bad luck during that tournament. Um, caught that amazing catch by um, Martin Guptall, the full-blooded hook shot. Um, the run out between the legs, which would never happen from that distance. Um, a catch by O'Shane Thomas, I think, over the boundary rope that he just plucked out of midair that looked gone for six. Um, yeah, they just looked, looked pretty flat in that game and, and England just steamrolled them. They really did. Yeah, I mean, those England performances, I mean, the, the, the England performance in that match against New Zealand in the match before and against India were, you know, three top draw performances, I think. And England turned up when they needed to. What really impressed me, uh, not just their batting, but they bowled so well in those matches. Chris Wokes, Toby, I mean, he looked like a man reborn. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Chris Wokes. I think he's obviously Mr. Nice Guy and he's a very, very good fielder, very athletic and I just worried that him as, um, you know, as a sort of one of the key bowlers was not quite up to scratch. And I think I completely changed my mind in the second half of this tournament in particular. He looks so dangerous in the final and he's just on a sixpence. He's very miserly. You know, his first two or three overs would go for very little and it builds that pressure that you really need at the beginning of a, an inning. So he's become a really crucial part of the attack, I thought. Yeah, Liam Plunkett for me was super impressive. In getting those wickets, he's been doing it for a couple of years now, right? In the middle overs with the cross-seam deliveries into the wicket, getting wickets when they needed to in the middle. Um, super impressive for mine as well. But he, he also came into this tournament without much form behind him, right? I think he'd, been, he'd had a tough T20 season and he wasn't in the first choice 11. He came in in place of Moeen Ali, but he really delivered. Liam Plunkett. I mean, a lot of those, a lot of the players really stepped up. I think Jason Roy, Johnny Besto, um, Joffre Archer, in you know playing in his his first first fifty over uh, tournament. I mean, what what a set of performances from him. And how many batsmen did he hit in the head? I mean, he he's plonked a lot of batsmen for those straight bounces. Alex Carey, of course, in that semi final was absolutely heroic, and it was probably the catch of the tournament for mine, where he took his caught his helmet. He had he was smacked in the chin. He got seven stitches, but he had presence of mind to turn around and catch the helmet before it fell on the stumps. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, could be up there for catch of the tournament. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Australian batsmen are quaking in their boots at the, at the prospect of facing him in the ashes, um, if he's fit. And then meanwhile, the, the other semi-final, New Zealand-India, was 
I mean, epic, <laughs> epic, a, a, an epic match, and really would be getting a lot more attention, I think, were it not for the final. Yes, uh, which which kind of eclipsed the New Zealand India the New Zealand victory. I mean, tr- tremendous performance by the New Zealand bowlers. That was a a gripping match, really. Watching Ravindra Jadeja kind of rekindle India's hopes. Um, yeah, Sir Ravi. Yeah, Ravi. Um, Sir Ravi. Yeah. Well, he had a point to prove, didn't he? He, he got, had a, got into his, to an argument with uh, Sanjay Mandraka. Who hasn't? Who hasn't had an argument with Sanjay Mandraka? <laughs> bits and pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he did it in bits. He did it in pieces. MS Dhoni's possibly his final appearance for India in a 50-over 50 50 over match. I mean, that was kind of despairing. You could really see his powers are on the wane. I mean, for him to get run out was a very odd way to go. But it, it, felt, it also felt appropriate that India would be eliminated because of the weakness in their middle order. Um, you know, finally came back to bite them. T- terribly disappointing, I think, for the Indian team. It played some very good cricket, really should have been able to chase down 240. But you've got to credit, I think, the New Zealand bowlers. They, they bowled beautifully. Trent Bolt and Matt Henry in particular. And Mitchell Santner in that semi-final had a wonderful match. I think that the way one and two ended up finishing, right? If Australia had beaten South Africa in that, that penultimate game, then they'd probably play New Zealand. Uh, they always feel they have the wood on New Zealand, I think. Um, so, yeah, it could have been an interesting interesting uh, set of circumstances. It could have been. I don't think India would have beaten England in the semifinal. I was, I was, I was quite happy to, to get New Zealand. Yeah, I think everybody was. <laughs> yeah, you can, can see how that turned out. Yeah, really well. Uh, I think, and I think India maybe were a little bit complacent, actually. You know, they... They bowled beautifully to restrict New Zealand to 240, but then I kind of think they thought they would just rock up and, and knock the runs off. Um, I hope this is going to be the end of uh, how people describe New Zealand. They, they, they've earned the right to no longer be dark horses in tournaments. I think they're they're clearly um, a world-class team at the moment. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm glad we got New Zealand. Well, the reality is they're, the, you know, classics, some of their parts, and they're, you know, they are ex- excellent, skillful cricketers across the board. I know the batting didn't fire quite so much, and Williamson carried that. Um, but just imagine if they have got runs for it. Imagine if Ross Taylor was scoring freely, or Gupta was scoring freely as well. They could be even better. So I guess they've done amazingly to reach a final one. They've not actually been at their best. Yeah. Did you see the video when they, the close in video on Kane Williamson when he was, somebody leaned over to him and whispered in his ear that he was named batsman of the tournament, or player of the tournament? And he just goes, me? What? <laughs> he looked genuinely shocked, like super shocked. Yeah. Well, he, he shouldn't be shocked, really, because he had a very good tournament. I mean, he scored a lot of runs. Uh, I think he was the third or fourth highest run score. Fourth, fourth highest. highest run score. Yeah, 578 runs at 82. Uh, he really carried the batting. What I also was really impressed about was his captaincy. He read the pitches, I think, probably better than anyone else in the tournament. And of course, I would say that being used to the to the Virat Kohli, Ravi Shastri, Brains Trust, you know, everyone reads pitches better than them. But Kane Williamson re- read them really well. You know, every match, New Zealand seemed to have an idea of how many runs they could defend. Mm. I think early in the tournament, I, you know, Aaron Finch was the best captain captain for me, but then he sort of sort of fell off towards the end there and, and Williamson really, really sort of got in there when it, when it counted at the business end. Uh, super impressive. What I liked about Finch as well is that both he and Carey, I think in tandem as captain and wicketkeeper, played a really huge role, I think, in um, just really improving the image of the Australian team. They really came across as a, a very different unit, and I think that helped the, the tournament as a whole. There was very little niggle, niggle on the field. 
there was not much sledging. You didn't see much snarling. It was it was played in a really good spirit. And I think Australia often sets the tone for this kind of thing, for better or worse. Uh, Darren, question for you actually. What Alec, I thought Carey for me was one of the outstanding Australian performers. You know, he I, I don't know him as well, maybe as some of the other names, but is he that Gilchrist? Healy type replacement with a flashing blade and it's going to stick around uh, in the middle order that you've been waiting for or is he more of a one-day specialist? Yeah, he, he's, he's more of a one-day specialist at the moment. Um, he hasn't played much red ball, obviously, because he plays a lot of white ball, but he, 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 sort of, he wasn't a bit out of form last season in Australia, but he's really come back in this World Cup and people did tip him that he would stand up in this World Cup and he did um, because he really needed the ballast after the middle order, which we seem to not decide who should be in the middle order. And of course, Australia's big failure was really around Maxwell and Stoinis. They just didn't deliver with bat or ball. Um, I think both of them averaged 15 or 20 each with the bat and they didn't really do much with the ball at all. So they really let this side down, I think. Um, so he really stood up at that number six, number seven position and really got us home on a number of occasions. But he was super impressive. And he's such a silky, easy player to watch bat. Um, his cover driving, his pulling, his... It's beautiful to watch. So he, he should be in the team after. I think they're kind of going to team up after Payne retires, uh, whenever that is. But um, I think he'll probably step into the take the gloves. Yeah, he could probably get in the team as a as a batsman alone. Yeah, he might. Seems gritty as well. He's willing to sort of dig in a bit, which is the sort of characteristic you want. So I was impressed with him. Really good player. Okay, so shall we do some categories? I have a, a fairly long list here. Of things we can perhaps nominate and select our winners for based on a World Cup that, I mean, it did go on for a very, very long time. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was a young man when it started. But I feel just, I feel distraught now. What do I do every night after work? I mean, I there's nothing to watch on TV anymore, right? You can watch um, Alyssa Healy and she, she's taking apart the England bowling attack. What are they... Australian women are doing very well in the in the, in the test match. I uh, saw the saw the overnight score, and then of course the Ashes. Mitchell Stark's going to start soon. Better half. Yes, going better. Well, he had a pretty good tournament. Um, all right, so should we do this? Should we run through these categories then? We can start with biggest enjoyment from the tournament. Who wants to go first? I, I don't know. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff to unpack. I mean, I just think the rejuvenation of fast bowling was, was, was also something nice to see. And not high-scoring games. You know, everybody was talking about 500 and 450 and roads, and it became a really good balance of bat and ball throughout the tournament. So it's great to see that. As a cricket fan, it's good to see it. Maybe some people who are not into cricket would like to see the you know, big scores, but really, really great to see ball matching bat quite often. And just some of the bowlers coming through. I mean, some of the unexpected bowlers that, you might not have seen much of, but we saw a lot in this tournament. I mean, Jofra Archer obviously making his debut. Lockie Ferguson really did re- did very well indeed. He's looked sort of okay in some of the T20 tournaments I've seen him play in, but he really stood up and I think he took the second most wickets in the tournament. He was great to see. Bangladesh's, you know, Mustafiza, he, he was in the most of wickets as well. Uh, Bumrah was solid, of course. And Mark Wood was bowling some serious heat. I think he bowled the fastest ball in the, t- in the tournament. 155 or something like that. So really great to see the fast bowlers coming to the, to the fray. You know, Shaheen Shah Afridi from Pakistan looks exciting sometimes. We've mentioned Wokes. And of course, Jimmy Nisham, the workhorse, was, was impressive as well. So great watching the fast bowlers sort of back in their rhythm. Yeah, so that was my pick was the bowling. And I mean, I love the fast bowling, but the other thing I really liked and really enjoyed was the return of the Dibley Dobler. 
<laughs> CDG, CDG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on these pitches in particular, I, I don't know, it just, it really seemed to, to help. You know, you had Colin de Grandom and, and Jimmy Neesham t- going from, from slow medium bowlers to gods. I mean, it was, it was kind of amazing to watch. I half expected Ian Austin or someone to rock up. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. CDG in the, uh, so I'm sure we'll have forever call him that, in the final, that sort of period where he had he bowled through his 10 overs. I saw someone on Twitter, potentially unfriendly, unfriendly way to describe, it looks like a man who's sort of running in, who appears to have his jock straps still attached to the sight screen. Um, <laughs> That's a but very good, but very good, very accurate, and he was unplayable and got Root out, and you never see Root get frustrated like that, and he just worked a treat, and absolutely brilliant, dibbly dobbler. I'll, I'll thrash this guy, and, and he's, he's in the wicket, so it was great to see. Yeah, the other thing I really liked was the fielding. I thought the fielding was brilliant, in particular the fielding by the by the fast bowlers, um, and I think New Zealand really, New Zealand and England, I think both exemplified that. Their fast bowling, the the fielding by their fast bowlers is just on another level. Uh, and makes a huge difference to their teams because they don't really have any weak fielders. Um, Toby, what did you enjoy the most? Um, I enjoyed the noise. So when you look at the matches, for example, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, to have a taste of that, those countries in England at grounds which are normally reserved for sort of football chants or genteel clapping was brilliant. And so much colour, and it's a cliche, it's noise, it's colour, it's exciting. But it sort of represents, I guess, a large proportion of, of, of Britain, and Britain was on show during the tournament, so it was quite exciting to see that. I didn't go to any games, you guys both went, but to see it on TV, you could definitely make out the noise, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, at, at the India-Afghanistan match, it was it was really noticeable how they, they just took over this kind of corner of Hampshire, which turned it into a riot of colour and noise. And It was nice, I mean, I think uh, the Afghanistan fans got a bit carried away in Headingley, uh, which is a, a different story, but yeah, over, I mean, overall, I think that's that's true. So, favorite match? Um, I mean, it seems like an obvious, obvious sort of answer to this one. Uh, I would go with the final, only because I've never really seen a match like that. I thought there were a few others I really liked. I thought the New Zealand India semi final was amazing. I really enjoyed the South Africa Australia match. Um, that was quite dramatic. Um, and I liked Afghanistan, Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, the one I went to as well. Darren? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go past the final and the semi-final, isn't it, really, as far as games go at crunch times of a tournament. Um, obviously, I enjoyed Australia beating England in the round-robin stage uh, quite a lot, especially the ball, you know, the ball that Stark bowled to Ben Stokes was just an absolute pearl. I mean, that, that, that thing swerved late. Um, Stokes was set and it really um, set the tone for that match. That was a good match. But yeah, the final, I mean, obviously that drama um, around it and the way Kane Williamson handled that, um, you know, the loss with aplomb. I mean, it was it was an amazing match. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, waking up in the morning as I did and just looking at all the news and the, and the messages that I got, it was absolutely insane. Toby, tell us why you thought England's defeat to Sri Lanka was your favourite match. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see Elvis Malinga screaming his old hits again. Um, no, I think the most enjoyable match for me, I think, was actually, obviously the final was just like nothing else. But for me, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily enjoyable. But I mean, I feel like I've, you know, that face app that's going around, I kind of looked like I'd been looking through that afterwards. But England's dismantling of Australia, actually, in the semi-final was very satisfying, I think, to see England kind of do it 
quite easy, easily. Um, it was quite a shock because it was almost like they've been stung into action and they've had that loss and they nearly missed out on the semis and to actually take Australia who are a fine, fine side and, and take them apart was, was satisfying. Other than that, West Indies and New Zealand, I think Carlos Braithwaite's almost um, heroics, but don't forget Williamson hit 148 in that game as well, which was typical of him quietly going about his business in the match-winning format. So um, that was a really exciting game too. Biggest wow moment. Um, I was looking through, I was trying to find a, you know, a maiden over that really impressed me. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with the super over, guys. In fact, I think for me, the biggest wow moment was the moment the ball hit Ben Stokes's lunging bat. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. At that moment, my heart just moved into my mouth. It was almost like, I just, you just cannot believe this is happening. And while it's happening, you sort of think, my gosh, it's running away. It's running up the hill, but it's going to get to the boundary. And that's the match. That could well be the match. Yeah, six runs off that. Yeah, that, for me, that was, that was it. I mean, the only, the only other one comes up, those, was probably Donny's run out. I mean, that was a, that was a tough one. Any other contenders? Uh, for me, uh, Mitchell Starks, Yorker, 90 mile an hour Yorker, uh, Darren's already mentioned it, and, and Stokes was on 89 at the time. I think that he was sort of really set leading this fight back that England needed. And in the last five yards of the trajectory, it just started to slide like a baseball slider. And it, it, I think Stokes just dropped his bat and kicked it and couldn't believe it. And there's no way that was unplayable. And that was an unbelievable, that's the equivalent of a Ronaldo sort of 30 yard bending free kick. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, apart from the bat of God, really, it really was that, yeah, the, the, the delivery, it sort of swerved out, out of his hand, and then it came in and out again. It was weird. It sort of moved in the air a couple of times, the Wanda Stokes. It was really weird delivery. Um, but yeah, that was, that, I mean, pulling that out of, his, out of the hat when you need to is uh, pretty incredible. T- too bad he couldn't do it in the semifinal. <laughs> Who needs sandpaper, really? I mean, what, what a delivery that was. What are they using now? <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. Mo- most gripping phase of play, again, I think, I've never seen a more gripping phase of play than than that final. Really, I mean, there there are there are other moments. I think in Test matches, the, there's that the Edgebaston Test match between Australia and England in 2005 was was up there. But yeah, that super over. Gosh. Yeah, oh, even the last over, the last over the of last the regular. Over, you had to get 15 to win, yeah. right? The last over, the super over. I mean the. Quite sure that Jofra Archer bowled a leg stump half volley off the last ball, and that, that Martin Guptill just kind of squirted away and ended up getting run out. Just remarkable. Yeah, people were saying they should have had Kane Williamson going out that about. He would have flicked it away. Yeah, I, yeah. They said they chose Guppy because he runs. He runs better. He's he's, he's the quickest between the wickets. But what a turn up, by the way, for Jimmy Neesham. I mean, he was considering retirement last year. Amazing. So, any, I don't know if anyone else has got any other gripping phases of play. I mean, there were some matches that gripped. There were many matches that didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, there were a few in that in that period after the first sort of round hustle had finished, and I was sort of thinking, "Is it? Are we not in the semis yet?" We had another whole week of sort of dead dead rubbers and things like that. So that wasn't quite as gripping. Um, but I, I really enjoyed, and I'm going to turn. Colin de Gronholm into the hipsters cricketer favourite here. Um, I think just that period of 10 overs for me set the tone for the whole final because it was nibbling around, roots just out, Bairstow's gone, England are rocking and it was all down to a classic right arm over military medium and I thought this is great cricket, I love that bit. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> he did the same thing in the semi-final against India. Is that how you bowl, Tobes? Oh, I probably bowled about 15 miles an hour slower than that on a very good day. <laughs> uh, um, all right, so favourite individual performance. Darren, what have you got? Well, I mean, sort of final aside, I think... You know, David Warner had a point to prove before this World Cup. He, he narrowly missed being leading run scorer by one run, I think. And he had a great tournament. It wasn't really necessarily one one innings, I don't think, but just his sheer grit. And, you know, I was at the South Africa game and the booing was uh, unbelievable. He was sitting on the player's balcony and I was sitting in the stand beside. And there was a multitude of South African people just leaning over and yelling abuse at him. And he sort of sat there and just smiled um, didn't turn around. He turned around and faced the crowd a couple of times. Smiled at them. Uh, didn't didn't wasn't baited. But he, he the sort of abuse he faced the whole tournament was amazing. For him to stand up and score those runs, I thought was quite quite amazing. Yeah, I think he 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 also had quite a nice redemption narrative. He he got his runs in quite a sober fashion too, didn't he? Which I think helped. He didn't just go out and, and he wasn't just blazing around. I don't know. It made him seem more restrained. It's funny, isn't it? You can read too much into the way people bat but uh, yeah he had a very good he had a very good tournament Toby what was your um, your favourite individual performance from the tournament I, I think it's it's got to be and I'm sorry to go back to the final it's got to be Joffre Archer um, I think you know let's let's remember there was a lot of controversy before this tournament that you know he, he's a bit green he doesn't know necessarily uh, you know, 50 overs particularly well doesn't have any experience at this level and to give him the ball in a super over that's never happened in a final he's never played in in a format he's unfamiliar with and the nerves he had to, I mean, I know he bowled a wide, but he got away with it in the end, but it, you know, that for him to be the go-to guy after one tournament and now he's a shoe-in surely for the ashes and he's now the, you know, England's most potent bowling weapon, just the, 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 the pinnacle of his tournament in that over. So that was amazing to see him relatively nervelessly um, bowl that final six deliveries. Yeah. Well, I'm going to choose mine. It's going to be an Indian. Yep. So, I mean, I, I thought Jasper Bumrah had a had a great tournament. He didn't take as many wickets as some others, but he's just his economy rate was four point four. He's unplayable, and he delivered every time India needed him to. So that that was great. I really liked Ravi Jadeja's innings in the semi final. He seemed to be batting on a different pitch. You wonder why he doesn't play more matches for India, but I've got to go with MS Dhoni's twenty eight or fifty two balls against Afghanistan. It was just just a masterpiece <laughs> in self self restraint. Uh, not entirely sure what he was doing. I don't think anyone knows. Um, but yeah, that 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 was my favourite, and may well be his one of his last significant innings for India. Uh, okay, I think he'll probably stay into the T Twenty World Cup, right? Will he? That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, but I think fifty overs this might be. I don't know. Who knows? It's up to him, isn't it? No one's gonna. No one's going to drop him. Um, but I think the chorus has got louder Yeah. Uh, after his, his performances in the last two or three matches where he, he did really seem to be struggling. Right, so this is a tough one. Best catch. Um, I thought there, was, there were so many contenders. Who wants to go first? Well, I, I've got a couple. I think I sort of mentioned them earlier. I think Martin Guptill's catch off Steve Smith at short, you know, short fine leg. Uh, when he hit a full-blooded hook shot and he just dived and caught the ball in his left hand, I think, is incredible. And Steve Smith, too, at, um, at Ben Wicket, took an absolute screamer in one of the games, too, like diving full length, right hand above his head, held on. Somebody's going to mention the Ben Stokes catch, aren't they? The claw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. 
There's that. Um, Toby? Yeah, I think, I mean, Stokes was the first sort of spectacular of the tournament, but uh, Sheldon Cottrell was absolutely superb catch. And he was, and I've got a little list here of the, what I'm calling the run and scoops, which is those sort of legging it off the boundary and catching it at full length with your feet off the ground. I think Wokes took a good one. Jadeja, for me, was the best against in, in England. That was an absolute beauty. And Ferguson in the final to dismiss uh, Morgan was another great example for a big, a big lad, you know, 15 stone of prime New Zealand beef to get down to pick that one up it was uh, very impressive. Yeah. So I had all of those. I had the Chris Wokes one, the Ben Stokes claw. Jim, uh, I had actually also had Jimmy Neesham's um, catch at point to dismiss Dinesh Karthik in the semi-final was was amazing. Uh, Martin Guptill. But actually I thought um, Ravi Ravindra Jadeja's catch uh, off Jason Roy uh, in the match England won quite comfortably in the end when he had to, it was a, it's a really bizarre catch because Jason Roy hit the ball flat and straight and it wasn't very high off the ground and Jadeja had to dive forward to catch it. And I think if he'd missed it, it would have, it would have just gone straight into his face. <laughs> I, I watched it today, actually. I watched it a couple of times. And if you watch the replay, he's not, he doesn't have to go that far, but he has to move so quickly because he's moving to his left so straight off the boundary rope. And the, the speed he gets there... And there's there's no margin for error. It's either in your chops or it's four, um, as you say. And that was a really uh, to me that was the best of the run and scoops. I think. Yeah, that was that was a kind of one of the the big things in the World Cup was these these on the boundary edge. These players kind of diving forward, really hard. But that catch, the Jason Roy one. I mean, if it had been me, I just would have got out of the way as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have even dive got anywhere near it. <laughs> I mean, surely the, your instinct for self-preservation... You've accidentally lost it in the sun. <laughs> yeah. On purpose. Yeah. All right. Okay. Player of the tournament, Toby, what have you got? Um, uh, we all love a story, so it's Ben Stokes' redemption, case closed, I think. Uh, scored l- hatful of 50s. Um, I think he got about seven wickets, but this is general presence and you know, muscular presence around the field. He's been a really good... Um, uh, mentor for Joffrey Archer as well. I think he's taken him under his wing, and so just just for overall excellence in the face of adversity. And I say David Warner nearly pips it for that too, uh, but I, I, I'm slightly biased. So Stokes for me. Okay, Darren. Yeah, hard one. I mean, going you know going into the first last few matches, I would have said Mitchell Stark, but I think he's had to tape it off at the end. He had a great tournament. You know, world record twenty seven wickets for the tournament. Um, great to see him getting there. You know, Shakib Al Hassan. Bangladesh, um, he was great with bad end ball, wasn't he, through the whole tournament? Yeah, it, it's a hard one. I think Kane Williamson got it. Um, I think for his captaincy, his demeanour and his, the runs he scored, I mean, he deserved to get that honour, honor, I think. It was well, well chosen by the uh, judges. Yeah, I, I would, um, I mean, I support all of those picks. I think Kane Williamson really carried this te- his team. I think David Warner had a fabulous World Cup, um, as did Mitchell Stark. I think, you know, Rohit Sharma had a great tournament. I really liked Chris Wokes, actually. I think especially in the big matches, he turned up, as did Johnny Bairstow. Um, but I would probably go with Shakib Al-Hassan because it's so hard to score that many runs at that strike rate and take that many wickets and basically be the best player on a team that, you know, did okay. Bangladesh almost made it into the semifinals. So, I mean, so, if, if, you're, if you're playing fantasy cricket, he would have been the winner for sure. Right, he was all around like was, bowling yeah. and batting, right? Yeah, he he was top. I think Rohit Sharma was second, um, but yeah, he 
amazing tournament for him. Breakout star, also a few contenders for this one. So on my list, I had, and in, interestingly, some of them are players we talked about before the tournament. So Nicholas Puran, I think, from the West Indies, did well, and I think we'll be hearing more from him. Shaheen Afridi, um, who we talked about before the tournament, he really turned up uh, towards the end of Pakistan's campaign. I like the look of Rishabh Punt, not just because of his skincare regimen. I think um, <laughs> he kind of did everything that was asked of him. Bit disappointed with the way he got out in the semi-final, but I think he's got a long career ahead of him. But for me, the the winner f- of this one is it's got to be Jofra Archer, playing his first fifty-over tournament, bowling a super over without any evident nerves. Just the way he bowls as well, off that action, seems like. He can get a lot of pace without putting his body through a lot of stress, uh, which will bode him, you know, which will, which will hold him in, in good stead. And I think his batting can improve as well, and he's a very good fielder. Toby, over to you. Yeah, I think Archer's an obvious one, a fantastic tournament. Um, Nicholas Poor and I also had as well. Uh, I really like him, and, and Shea Hope appeared to be the future of um, West Indies cricket, I feel. Uh, good aggressive batsman both of them uh, poor and a wicketkeeper batsman as well from Trinidad and Tobago he was excellent um, and for me beyond Archer it's, lo- it's all about Lockie Ferguson I know he's not necessarily a breakout star but he's been around and about but he hasn't really done it on the world stage with consistency and I think since someone like Shane Bond the Kiwis haven't really had anyone that can bowl it at sort of 90 miles an hour or whatever it is in old money 150 clicks um uh, consistently and in that final he was bowling way above um, average speeds consistently so if he can stay fit um, with Matt Henry and Trent Bolt he's a really dangerous bowler so for me he was exciting to see him perform Love his bouncer Lockie Ferguson it's a tough yeah he's got a really funny his action is you know he's got a bustling run up but when he comes in he's, I think his head kind of ducks down quite markedly which shows he's really sort of catapulting it in quite um, quite heavily. And he's got a very well-directed bounce, as you say, and he bowled that to good effect throughout the tournament. Darren? I think you stole a march on me there. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say Lockie Ferguson. Apart from Archer, I think those two young quick bowlers really turned up and t- turned up the heat. And, you know, Ferguson only played nine matches and, you know, 21 wickets. Uh, he really, really was impressive. I-, I thought he might be a bit of a weak, weak link before the tournament, but he really stood up and he bowled really, really particularly well. Yeah. Good call. All right, biggest disappointment. I have so many on this list. I don't know where to start. So let's start, let's start with someone else. Darren, what were your biggest disappointments? From well, the I kind of mentioned them early on. I, th- I think, you know, everyone was hoping Maxwell would have a bit of a breakout tournament. He didn't really get there at all. He seemed a bit out of sorts. He seemed a bit angry with himself and upset a lot of the time with his bowling and his batting. And I guess, you know, for me, Steve Smith was also slightly disappointing. He did okay. Um, averaging just under 40, but he, he didn't really have the breakout that I thought he might have. Um, so those two for me kind of stand out. Two for me. Uh, number one, empty seats. I think it was such a shame and such an opportunity, particularly in the early rounds in places like Taunton and Bristol that don't get to see this kind of quality cricket. And the blame, the blame has to lie with uh, whether it's the clubs or the ECB for not marketing this properly. Um, but also there's corporate ticket holders who didn't show up as well. So we know we talked about the final. There's, there's a few empty seats dotted around which is criminal. So I think that's something which is a shame. Uh, and then number two, South Africa, very poor, apart from the last match. Uh, I, I, I had Ngidi and Rabada as kind of 
watch this space type performers they did okay but their batting was pretty porous and um, and Faf and uh, Quinton de Kock didn't really get going so that was a disappointing campaign from the Proteas so, so what I did have down sorry just just back on uh, um, really Rashid Khan I mean he, I think he finished almost bottom of the log I think he picked up one wicket in the tournament um, in nine matches um, I think he got yeah. more than one didn't he sorry six six six, six wickets yeah six wickets um, but for the whole tournament six wickets he went around at it almost six and over yeah he just didn't really show up did he and he's, now he's been named captain I see well, it's interesting because my biggest disappointment, one of them, I mean, I have quite a few. So it's interesting you mentioned the, the empty seats. I thought the marketing of the tournament was really poor. Uh, in England, you could walk around these towns and not know the Cricket World Cup was going on. I think the ECB, basically, they realised they could sell out these matches, particularly in terms of the corporate tickets as well, without really having to market it to the general public, which is a real shame. I, th- I was disappointed with with the quality of spin bowling in the tournament. And weirdly, because the pitchers were spinning, um, and yet none of the spin bowlers really turned up, Rashid Khan in particular. Afghanistan did disappoint me, actually, despite the fact that they almost won two matches. I think Rashid Khan didn't bowl particularly well. I think their fans were a disappointment at the Headingley match. Uh, and they were also sending home players at quite an alarming rate uh, for for. for I don't know. I mean, Mohammed Shahzad sent home with an injury, which he said didn't exist, and then Aftab Alam for serious misbehaviour with a female guest uh, at a hotel. So I, I don't know. Afghanistan's tournament just uh, they were such they've been such a feel good story, kind of didn't happen for them in a, in a in a disappointing manner. Kagiso Rabada I thought was a disappointment. He's one of the top two or three fast bowlers in the world, and didn't really demonstrate that um and the cricketarist oh, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible yeah. <laughs> i never have to see another cricketarist it will not be too soon i mean that was R- just being out sweet child of mine <laughs> well i had this down this morning as as a as a sort of face palmer as well with this uh, cricketarist okay. i mean uh, you're absolutely right yeah. it's middle-aged men having midlife crises serenading Sheldon Cottrell to the crease to the sounds of Deep Purple. I mean, what's going on? No. Next time that's banned. (laughs) And this is going to get the kids in, apparently. I mean, it's just bizarre. All right, before we get to biggest, to to facepalm, I realised I missed one category, biggest surprise. So I had put down the pictures for this uh, because I wasn't expecting them to play like they did. I think we were all expecting Rhodes, 350, 400 scores. Now, I'm interested to hear you both of your views on this, because I saw some criticism of the pitches, particularly from Mark Butcher. Uh, he described the pitches as shit heaps. <laughs> he said, Very diplomatic. Pulling punches. <laughs> yeah. He said he would much rather see some pitches where batsmen got value for their shots and where they could hit it off the, off the square. And I kind of sympathised with him a little bit. It was very difficult for batsmen to get any value for their shots. Now, do do you guys agree with that? Or do you think actually this is just long overdue redressing of the balance between bat and ball? I agree. I think uh, we talked at the top of the podcast that how nice it's been to see the return of proper fast bowling that's been a threat. And I think those pitches have really helped that story. I think without it, it would be sort of 350, 400, 500 run fest, which I guess is great for YouTube uh, highlights for, you know, but wham bam, thank you, man. But I think if you're there watching or it's for the good of the game, I think it's been 
it's been good and it's been difficult scoring looking at the Lord's pitch for example at the final it wasn't easy to score uh, and people were getting frustrated in the batting lineup with that and I think I personally think it's been great to see that redressing of the balance and Butcher would say that because he's a former opening batsman so he's biased <laughs> just challenging that a little bit running through the stats I mean there's about I think it's 16 or 17 players here that averaged above 60 for the tournament so, I mean, if people showed that if they got in, they could score runs, it wasn't like, you know, the, the averages were low. So not as free-flowing as some other tournaments, but still, if you were a good batsman, you got stuck into it, you, you could score runs. But, but perhaps the strike rates are maybe a little bit more telling. I mean, I, I, I don't actually mind having these strike rates that are below 100 because, you know, there's been, there's been too much inflation of runs, I guess. So it's been nice, it's been nice to see that change. But I guess my only concern was I did feel like some of these pitches did make some ordinary bowlers look like world beaters, which may be a bit harsh, but but that's okay as well. Because, you know, I think we've been watching pitches make some ordinary batsmen look like world beaters for the last few years. So, you know. Um, okay, right, finally, biggest facepalm moment. Darren, what did you have? Biggest facepalm moment? There wasn't really any. I mean, I... As far as a face palm moment goes, I mean, I think India losing to New Zealand in that in that semi final was really you know head and hands kind of fast face palm moment for a lot of Indian supporters, right? And it just I think they did take it easy, um, didn't get there. But apart from that, I, I can't really think of any. Tobes, I said cricketarists, and I think I'll build on that theme. And I think the Andrew Flintoff opening song will take you way back, oh, gosh. four weeks, five weeks back. Remember that? Um, you know, that's probably my biggest face. I've actually part. forgotten it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, there you can go. sing it again. <laughs> I, I've forgotten the words. It's that memorable. <laughs> so I had two face palm moments. One, Coley walking when he didn't get an edge. Um, I thought it was was yes, strange. Um, probably part of his his new charm offensive, perhaps. But I think the biggest face palm had to be uh, the former Afghanistan captain Gulbadin Naib bringing himself on to bowl the final over against Pakistan when Afghanistan would have won the match, I think, if they had entrusted one of their frontline bowlers to do the job. And I kind of think Trent Bolt stepping on the boundary was a face palm moment as well. Oh, that's harsh. I think that's harsh. That, look, the, the whole ground was sucking the air out of him, waiting for him to drop it, and he did. It's, it was a tough, tough catch anyway. It is, but we've seen him take catches like that so many times. Catches win matches. Yeah, and he's such a nice guy. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, so look, World Cup's been uh, tremendously exciting, of course, but everybody knows the Super Over now. Uh, Fantasy Super Over time. If you had to pick on your life, depend it, two batsmen and one bowler to win you the World Cup, and it could be from any era, they can be retired. I mean, probably back to WG Grace, who's no longer with us, but let's be realistic. Um, Darren, who are you going to go for? Gosh, where do I start? I mean, you'd probably have to say Bradman would be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'd probably have Bradman as one of my players. Um, and then I'd probably have Butler. I'd probably have Joss Butler as one of my, one of my p- people. Uh, Reading and mentioned too could be Klusner, I think 19, 1999 or 2003, where he was the finisher, you know, smashing everything out of the park. Maybe Donny at his peak and Maxwell at his peak too, but there's also Carlos Brathwaite in there, isn't there? Isn't there? Who, who's an excellent finisher, can really smash the ball over the boundary. But I'd probably say... You know, Bradman and Butler would be my batsmen. Um, bowlers, I think there's only one or two that I'd really go for here. I considered Shane Warne. 
I considered Kirtley Ambrose, um, but I'd probably, I considered Michael Holding. I'd probably be going with Waza Makram with reverse swing. If the ball was reverse swinging with that screwdriver, I'd be having him bowl. Nice. I think you've just won the World Cup with that trio. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Arun? So I think it, I mean, batsman, I'd probably take Viv Richards as one of them because he, he, he enjoyed, he enjoyed hitting sixes. And I think you could put him in most situations and he'd, he'd do the business. I guess for the other batsmen, I don't know, I'd, I'd quite like the idea of Yuvraj Singh because he's hit six sixes before. Uh, and then maybe, you know, or maybe Gary Sobers has also hit six sixes. I mean, there's not that many batsmen that have done that in, in a first-class match. Weirdly, Ravi Shastri's hit six sixes. I'm definitely not picking him. <laughs> um, so I'd probably go with Viv Richards and Yuvraj Singh as my two the bowler, I really think, depends on the surface as well, right? Because some of these surfaces, I don't know, maybe you'd pick um, Gavin Larson or someone from the from the from the you know the, the military medium um, CDG, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest, I think you know I think Wasim Markham's a good shout. I I would go with Glenn McGrath actually. I think he's um, just so parsimonious and really hated runs being scored off him. Uh, and always delivered on, in the big moments as well. Yeah, I had him written down here. I forgot to mention him. Yeah, but yeah. what a bowler pitch. I'd still go wasn't that pitch. Well, uh, it's surprising that, Sh- that Shane Warnley only spinner so far. Um, I would go, I'll go reverse. So my bowler would definitely be Wesley Macram as well. I think just the ultimate finisher. Um, batsman, I, I quite fancy having David Boone out there for some reason. I think he'd be, yeah, he was at the final. I just got a sort of sense that it's his, it's his sort of, Big hitting, sort of. Let's have have a beer afterwards type finisher. So I, I'm I'm going to go for David Boone, and either Sir Ian Botham or the Universe Boss. I can't decide between the two. I'm going to go for Chris Gale just in his pomp. I think he would absolutely destroy it. So go with Gale. Universe Boss or Universe Joss? Boss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Actually, Chris Gale was on my disappointment list as well. By the way, he's 39. Bless him. You know, he's in his dotage. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was a bit like an extended farewell tour for him. <laughs> and he's carrying on about playing Test cricket again now. <laughs> Excellent. All right, cool. So that's the World Cup, guys. <laughs> and I guess next up is um, what is it? The Ashes? Is that the next major thing we've got to look forward to? You betcha. Can't wait. August 1. Very exciting. Uh, I'll be interested. To, when do we know when the squads are out are being announced? Well, Australia's playing a Australia, which is weird, Australia A versus Australia. And, and that's happening, I think, in the next few days. And after that, they're going to name their squad. I think England's got their squad out for the Ireland game. They're playing Ireland, aren't they, in a one-off test? Yeah, they are, yeah. And they more or less have the squad there, I think. Jason Roy is a call-up, I notice. Oh, is he? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. And he's, he's just, he's like a thug with the bat, isn't he, really, Jason Roy? I mean, he can do a lot of damage up there, the top of the order. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, England have had problems with that opening slot, haven't they, for for a while, so they might as well try him out. Should be exciting. Looking forward to it. Yes, it will be exciting, but will anything ever be as exciting as that World Cup final? Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Um, and we'll be back soon.